This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Lights Out debuted in 1934 and was radio's premier horror series. Director and writer Willis Cooper's writing was characterized as grisly, always matching with the appropriate acting and sound effects. He conceived in 1933 the idea of writing a dramatic midnight mystery serial to catch enough of the listener's attention at a time when the competition was mostly airing music. In June of 1936... Another Chicago writer, Arch Obler, took over. And by the time Cooper left the series, it had inspired 600 fan clubs. Pretty incredible. Arch Obler was eccentric and ambitious when he took over and picked up where Cooper left off, following the latter's general example, but investing the scripts with his own concerns using streams of conscious narration and sometimes social and political themes that reflected his commitment to anti-fascist liberalism. Although Lights Out would be closely associated with Obler later on, he would always credit Willis Cooper for the series creator and spoke highly of him as the unsung pioneer of radio dramatic techniques and the first person he knew who understood that radio drama is an art form. And now the episode of from 1943, Protective Mr. Drogan. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out. Everybody. It is later than you think. Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler. If you don't mind, I'm not going to tell you anything about the story we're going to do in a few minutes. Neither the title, nor anything about the characters, nor even the usual remark about any similarity of this story to real events and actual people occurring so and so forth. Nope. We're just going to tell you a strange story. And now, lights out, everybody. Hello? Hello, police head, police department. My name is Charles Crager, Dr. Charles Crager. I live at 872 West Street, apartment 2B. I want you to come and get me. I, 
I've just killed a man. Jay Drogan. Did you hear me? I said, come and get me. I just killed a man. His name was... Jade Drogan speaking. Who? Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, friend. Sure, sure, I'm coming down to the office. Party? All right, all right. A man got to have some fun once in a while, can't he? I got to wash up. I. All right, I'll be down here. Goodbye. Son of a... Where's my hat? Well, what? Windows broken? <laughs> some party. Uh... Tell superintendent get windows fixed. Wonder what. Oh, well. Better get to the office. Good thing the building has an elevator. Couldn't walk downstairs. Uh, good morning there, Mr. Drogan. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. Jensen. I was now, just... What the devil's the matter with this elevator? I've been punching this button for five minutes. Well, it takes time for it to come down when it's up on the top floor. Takes the devil for... with the time. It's always going wrong, that elevator. I wish that blasted thing would fall through the basement. Hey, it's falling. It, it fell. Just like you said. Oh, then, Drogan, sit down. Sit down. Thank you, Doctor. It was... Good of you to see me without an appointment. Well, you seem to be in quite a state. What is it? It's, uh, it's my head. You injured it? No, no, uh, I don't think so. You see, I had a little party at my house last night. Oh, my head. Oh, <laughs> never mind, never mind. Well, this certainly is the morning after the night before. Go over to the window and let me look at you. Yes, doctor. It's, it's my head, doctor. Every sound... It's just the morning after. But every sound... Blasted airplane up there. It's so loud in my head, Doc. No, no, I... don't get excited. Why does that infernal pilot have to fly so low? Blast you up there. Why don't you crack up? Look. He's falling. Falling. What? What you said, Drogan, really happened. 
Judge Hogan. We, we better be moving on. Yeah. You come back to my office, and I'll give you a sedative, and you lie down and rest a little while, and then you'll be all right. Yeah. Coincidences. That's nothing old. That's all it was. Nothing more. Well, watch out, man. Watch out where you're walking. It's okay, Doc. Mm. It's okay. And now we can cross. Hey, hey, you! How do you like that guy? Blasted cabs. They think they own the street. If I had my way, I'd smash them all up. Doc! Doc! It's happened. Again. Drink this. No, I tell you, drink this. I don't want to. It isn't what you want to do. It, it's a sedative. Now, drink it. Putting me to sleep for a little while is no now, help. Last night. Think about last night. Perhaps you, well, drank something out of the ordinary. Huh? Well, why do you look at me like that? I... I did. What? Uh, that drink, I... I just remember. Tell me. But, but that couldn't be it. Tell me. Well... We got a kidding about who could mix the most unusual drinks, and I was feeling high, and I mixed one. Well, what was in the drink? I... I don't know. Well, you must know. If I knew what was in the drink, perhaps some chemical... Oh, wait a minute. Where do you think you're going? To the office. Well, what... Fred, my business. I, I've got the... No. Are you completely out of your head? You're a menace, a walking danger. Don't you realize that you can't go out of here until we figure this out, some way to stop it? If you don't, every time you say a negative thought, it'll happen and someone will die. Do you want that? <laughs> What's the matter with you? Why should you laugh? Stop it. Stop it. Well, it's funny. I go to see my doctor because I'm going out of my head and he goes out of his head. But what happened to you that all of a sudden I you should... you said that I was a menace. And when you said that, all at once everything cleared up. What? Yeah. Me, a menace. That's the funniest thing anybody ever said about me. Look at me. No hair, half my teeth aren't my own, a cut a pot belly, and I'm a menace. Yeah, you, a doctor who's supposed to judge things only by facts, suddenly decide I'm a menace. Why? Because three screwy things happened that I had nothing to do with. And I had nothing to do with. Coincidences, like getting four aces two times running or... Rolling seven twenty-five times in a row, or anything else, where two and two doesn't add up to four. That that elevator would have fallen anyway, and, and that plane. So his mo motor cut out just when I said it, and and the cabs. We were both so scared that we ran off without finding out whether or not there was a good reason why three cabs smashed up. Sure, cabs have accidents all the time. So, well, does that make me a menace? I ask you, is that the way for a doctor to talk? I'm sorry. Of course you're right. I've been talking like an emotional moron. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? I'm the man who has always evaluated situations through factual evidence. And even then, I've retained some measure of skepticism because I know how, well, how misleading human observation can be. Trogan, would you mind shaking hands with a blasted fool? Sure, Doc. And you're shaking hands with one, too. Uh, now, if you don't mind, can I use your telephone? Sure. Of course, of uh, course. Got to call my office, explain why I'm late. Oh, had me scared for a while. Hello. Hello, that you, Fred? Yes, I'm on my way in. But I, I tell you, I'll be there in a few minutes. But I'm telling you. I know, I know, but I'm coming. Oh, stop yelling at me. Why didn't you drop dead? 
Fred. Hey, Fred. What's the matter? What's the matter? Why, I don't know. One minute I was talking to him and then... Fred, Fred, answer me. No, it can't be. You're lying. Hello? Hello? Drogan, what is it? Tell me. Someone said... Fred just dropped dead. Ladies and gentlemen, to stop a suspense story may seem an intrusion. But before going on with the story of this strange little miracle man, perhaps a breath or two of relaxation is indicated. Yes, before going on with our lights out story of the projective Mr. Drogan, let's turn to a problem of these hectic times. We have a very troubled young lady here. Trouble's no word for it. My boss wants to give me a dandy new job, but I'm so tired out and run down and jittery, I'm afraid I couldn't handle it. I'm getting much too thin. And I've tried every tonic I know, but nothing I try seems to help me. Well, miss, maybe you just haven't tried the right tonic. Maybe more vitamin B and iron's what you need. Vitamin B and iron? Could that make such a difference? Well, when you don't get enough vitamin B from your meals, you may lose your appetite. Eat so poorly that you lose weight and strength. Or you may not get all the good out of what you do eat. And when you don't get enough iron from your food, you may be weak and pale and feel only half alive. But how can I get more vitamin B and iron if I need them? The quickest, easiest way I know is take ironized yeast tablets. They give you both vitamin B and iron. And pleasant little ironized yeast tablets are a cinch to take. But uh, are they terribly expensive? Oh, not a bit of it. They cost but a few pennies a day. So try ironized yeast tablets if more vitamin B and iron is what you need. Then see if pretty quick you aren't saying... Tired? Not me. I'm so full of pep now I hardly know myself. And I've gained pounds. Why didn't somebody tell me about ironized yeast tablets ages ago? And now, back to lights out. At the moment when both Drogan and the doctor had rationalized the miracles into coincidences, another miracle had taken place. Another miracle of death. And now the men sit in the doctor's office, and there is great fear in both of them. What... What time is it, doctor? One... I can't just sit here. No, no, you're, you're my responsibility. I, I've i got to think something out. I, I just can't keep on not thinking anything. Great Godfrey. What? What's the matter with me? You can perform miracles. I'm convinced of that. All right. Then why in the name of common sense can't you perform positive miracles instead of negative ones? I, I don't understand. Listen to me. It, it's simple. It's so simple that neither one of us thought of it. Just as you can kill people and cause accidents, why can't you do good? Good? Yes, good. Heal the sick, give eyes to the blind. But when it comes to killing, kill the ones who should be killed. Well, that's right. Maybe I could do that. Hitler, 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 Mussolini. Why, you could wipe out the whole Nazi army by just saying so. Yeah, but, but how would we know? No, wait a minute. It's all clear now. 
Every miracle that you performed today was a negative miracle. The falling elevator, the airplane, the taxis, your friend. Everything negative. You haven't performed a single positive miracle. Not a miracle for good instead of evil. Well, come with me. Where? Out into the street again. Come on, Drogan. We've got to find out if you can perform a good miracle just as easily as performing the other kind. And if you can, well, you'll start making history in a few minutes, Mr. Drogan. Now, Drogan, now. What? On the corner, the newsman. He's blind. Well, don't be stupid. We'll go over to him. Faber? Paper, get your paper. Hello, Tom. That you, doctor? Yes, give me a magazine. Well, anyone will do. Yes, sir. Wish it, Drogan. Wish that he could see. I am, I am. Hey, uh, doctor. How have you been? Oh, never mind about me. How about you? Huh? How about your eyes? <laughs> Are you kidding? Drogan, out loud. You've got to say it out loud. Hey, doc, what's the matter? Say it. I wish that he could see. Hey. Hey, what, what's going on here? Tom, you see. You do see. What, what's the matter with you, Doc? You can see. Let me alone, will you? What, what are you trying to do? What, what are you after? Can you see? Oh. Oh, I can't see. Get the devil away from here. I can't see. All right, Drogan. Come on. Yeah. What does it mean? Whatever you want to do that's good doesn't happen. Whatever you say that's evil happens. God help you, Drogan. Well, I know I give it up. We just go in. Well, have a good sleep, friend Drogan? Yeah. Why? Why did I fall asleep? A sedative I gave you. Oh. Drogan, I want you to meet my wife. How do you do? Well, well, it's a pleasure, Mrs. Craker. Yeah. Let me give you a hand. No, no, no. I'm all right. Yeah, of course. Uh, Drogan, I've told the entire story to my wife. She's clear-headed about this. I'll let her tell you what she thinks. Go ahead, Anne. Mr. Drogan, Charles thinks you're a menace to humanity. I don't think so. I think the danger to others is not through you, but through somebody else. You don't know what I mean. Well, that's understandable. I mean, you wouldn't willfully hurt anyone. But what if someone forced you to? What if your ability to perform miracles... Evil miracles? Yes, evil miracles, was discovered by some criminal. He would force you to do what he wanted, at no risk to himself, because since the criminal was performing an evil act, you couldn't hurt him. In other words, Drogan, someone could use you for criminal purposes. Yes, blackmail the world because you thought he could kill anyone in the world. You haven't said anything, Mr. Drogan. You do understand? Yes, I, I understand. What do you expect me to do about it? We don't expect you to do anything. The responsibility is beyond you or us. Whatever happens is up to the proper authorities. Uh, authorities? What we must do is to tell the authorities of what happened. It's a wonderful idea. What did you say? It's a wonderful idea. Charles, I told you he'd understand. Trogan, I'm proud of you. 
Thank God it happened to a man like you instead of another little fascist who'd imagine himself a super Hitler. A wonderful idea. Yeah, yes, of course, but why do you keep on saying that? You gave me a wonderful idea. <laughs> Thank you, but that's not important now. We've got to go to the authorities. All of us. No. Why should you say no? I- I'm not going anywhere. Neither are you. What? Charles, why should he say... Wait. What's the matter? Nothing. I'm not going any place, or you. What do you mean? Sit down. What the devil for? Sit down. Now, I don't see what... Doctor, I'll let you talk. Now, let me. Well, in my own way, I figured out the world a long time ago. And that's why I was satisfied. Now, you see, it's like this. Some people are born with more than other people. One man has more brains, so he's an Einstein. Another fellow's born with good looks, so, so he's a movie star like that, that, that Taylor fellow. Another has muscles that work better, so he's a Joe Lewis. Another one's got more energy, so he's an Edison. Most people are born with just enough brains and muscles to get along in a plain, ordinary life like me. I knew that. So, I was satisfied. Then, then this happened to me. All at once, all I've got to do is say something, and and then it happens. Not good things, we found that out, but whatever I say that's wrong happens. I can do what anybody else in the world would like to do, we can't do. No army or navy or air force. I can say that somebody should die, or or that something should, should burn or break or fall, and it happens. No, at first it was the same for me as for you, Doctor. I I couldn't believe it was really so. Then, then while I was lying here, I heard you and your wife talking, and I began to figure things out. And then you both gave me the real idea. Dempsey and Joe Lewis and Tunney and those fellows who had better muscles made themselves millions. So did Edison and Ford and, and Chrysler and the rest of them who had brains. Now, I had something. Why shouldn't I get paid off, too? Paid off? That's right. How? Y- you said it before. What? Uh, I think you call it blackmail. Charles! The way you both look at me, you'd think I'd said something you hadn't said before yourself. Anybody that's any good to the world, I can kill. All right. There's people get paid off in this world for not letting other people starve. So I'll get paid off for not making people die. That's a pretty bad joke. Joke? No. Of course you're joking. No. You don't mean that. Sit down, doctor. Doctor, I said for you to sit down. Don't you order me around. Now stop this nonsense and... Oh. I brought you some tea, Mrs. Craker. Uh, yes, uh, thank you, Frederick. Just put the tray Wait down. a minute. Uh, take that tray out of here. Go ahead. Take it out. But I... I take orders only from Mrs. Craker. Is that so? Well, why don't you die? Frederick's... He's dead, isn't he, doctor? Yes. So you see, it isn't nonsense. You devil, you! Well, up to now, it's always been plain Sam. I never thought that you... That's just it. You should never underestimate a little man, now, now, should you? Charles, do you hear me call the police? He hears you, but he won't do anything about it, will you, Charles, doctor? don't just sit there. This man is a murderer. He killed Frederick. Doctor, your wife is talking police? a little too much, isn't sit she? Sit there, won't you please? Doctor, do you hear me? I suggest you tell your wife to shut me? her mouth. Charles, Or maybe you'd like me to say something to her, the words I said about the servant. Suppose I said, Mrs. Craker, I wish you would... Stop. Will you please do something about it? Stop it. Stop. You hear me? 
Stop it. Now, it'll be all right, dear. It'll be all right. Of course it will. As long as we're sensible about this. Now, then, what is my plan? Oh, very simply this. You and your wife are going to help me get everything in the world that I want. Yes, everything. What I tell you to do, you will do. Um, uh, letters. I, I will decide on three influential gentlemen in our government, and three wealthy gentlemen in industry to whom you will send letters explaining about me. Now, they won't believe, but at the time I tell them to, they'll die, and the newspapers will know about it. And after that, everyone will believe me, now, won't they? And so as not to die, everyone will do exactly as I want, won't they? Because they won't have any choice in the matter. If they send soldiers against me, I'll wish that they'll be dead, and, and they will be dead. And soon, from Washington to London to Moscow, everyone will be doing exactly what Sam Drogan wants them to do. And that'll be wonderful, won't it? All the good people of the world doing exactly what one little man wants them to do. Well, you haven't said anything, Doctor. You understand what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes. It was inevitable. Of course, I, I won't want you and your wife to leave here. Now then, we, we'd better have this man's body removed, and then we'd better get to work. Or have you any suggestions? Do you mind if I have a drink? Drink? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. A drink started all this, didn't it? <laughs> Go right ahead, Doctor. Thank you. A and you, Mrs. Krager, you're quite all right now, aren't you? Yes, I'm sure you are, the way you sit there looking at me. You and your husband will do exactly as I say, because you're both good people, and I'm death to good people, and you know that now, don't you? Yes, I'm sure my wife knows that. Your drink. Oh, yes. Oh, and quite a full one. Thank you, Doctor. I, uh, I drink to, to your continued good health. <clears throat> Strong one and a good one. Thank you, Doctor. I, uh, I, what drink? Oh, my throat! You, you put no, wouldn't dare. I'll kill Charles. What did you? Kill Charles. He's going to wait. I wish. You both were. Charles, you killed. Yes. Poison worked more slowly than should have, but it worked. Drogan, you made one mistake. You should never underestimate what good people can do. If they have to. Mr. Obler. Mr. Obler. I know how you feel, but... in these times of stress and strain, the tensions of life do pile up for all of us. And once in a while, it's a welcome let-up to think of... Miracles and miracle men. A miracle man who can solve all things with a wish and a wave of the hand. Of course, we know now that miracles actually do happen. With work and with the will of a fighting people. Which brings us to next week. And next week? Well, 
Next week, very simply, I like stories of escape. I always have. My typewriter likes them. My shorthand book likes them. My stenographer likes them. My dictaphone likes them. I think other people feel the way I do. In childhood, we like to read of escape from galloping Indians, and as we grow older, escape from uh, pursuing love. And we grow older than that, uh, other more subtle escapes. Well, by this time, you ought to know that next week's story is one of escape. Its title is Until Dead. And I promise myself and you a suspenseful and amazing half hour, but as usual, that's next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Archobler's eerie story, Until Dead. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try ironized yeast, the one and only ironized yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for that husband and wife team, Phil Harris and Alice Faye, to entertain. Now, Phil Harris was an American comedian, actor, singer, and jazz musician. He was born in Linton, Indiana, but grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, identified himself as a Southerner. His hallmark song was, That's What I Like About the South. <laughs> Had a trace of a Southern accent and in later years made self-deprecating jokes over the air about his heritage, his parents were circus performers. His father, a tent band leader, gave him his first job as a drummer with the circus's band. As a voice actor, he played Baloo in The Jungle Book in 1967, and in 1970 played Thomas O'Malley in The Aristocats and Little John in Robin Hood back in 1973. So tonight, he's on jury duty. Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Bay Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggist. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris. <laughs> Two days ago, Phil received a notice to appear for jury duty. Fully realizing the responsibility of jury service, Phil's reaction when he first opened the letter was that of the average civic-minded citizen. I ain't gonna go! <laughs> but the next day, after Alice pointed out that it's un-American to say he wasn't going to go, Phil changed his tone. How can I get out of it? <laughs> However, he was unable to think of a way out And today at 2 o'clock he has to appear at City Hall to see if he can qualify Alice and the children are waiting for him to come downstairs Well, Phyllis, I guess Daddy will have to go today 
Unless he can think of another excuse. What's left? He's gone through everyone in the book. <laughs> now, now, girls, your daddy was only joking with all those excuses. He really wants to serve. He wouldn't try to get out of... Hiya, kids. Oh, good morning, Alice. Oh, good morning, Phil. I was just telling the children that... Uh, Phil, what are you doing on crutches? <laughs> I got good news, honey. I broke my leg. Oh, now you broke your leg. Where did you break it? Right in the back of the knee. See the way it bends in the middle? <laughs> oh, Daddy, you're slipping. Two days to think of an alibi and you come up with a corn pole like that. <laughs> well, at least it's better than the excuse he dreamed up yesterday. Which one? Number 18. <laughs> the one in which you wanted me to shave all my hair off so you could tell him your wife just blew her top. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, Phil, why are you trying so hard to get out of jury duty? A lot of men would welcome the chance to serve. Yeah, well, if that's true, maybe I could hire one of them to take my place. There must be somebody who'd do it for money. Somebody who'd be... Good morning, Philip. <laughs> well, if it ain't Willie, show me $3 and I'll sell out my own grandmother, Faye. <laughs> hey, Willie, I got a proposition for you. How would you like to be Phil Harris for a day? Ooh, what a revolting How do you like that? I give the guy a chance at heaven and he turns it down. You better think that over, Clyde. I, I don't want to be Phil Harris. I've been William Fay all my life and I like it. Only because you were born that way and you don't know any better. <laughs> Forget it, Willie. You couldn't be me anyway. There is only one Phil Harris, and that's I'm. What did my sister ever do to deserve you? I don't know, but she must have led a very clean life. She was just a fortunate gal to have gotten the pride of the South. Well, lucky little old me is just the luckiest little old thing that ever did live show now. All right. <laughs> Well, shut my mouth, mint my julep, and yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Are you finished, Aunt Jemima? <laughs> Getting back to you, William. You know, it ain't easy to be a Phil Harris. If you're looking for sympathy, you've come to the wrong person. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Philip, why do you want me to pretend I'm you? Oh, ignore him, Willie. He's just trying to get out of jury duty. He's trying to find someone to go in his place. Philip, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's a despicable thing to do. You're completely incorrigible, and it's about time somebody pounded some sense into you, and I... Oh, stop slapping my wrist. <laughs> get lost, will you? Yeah, very well, but I think you are a cad. If you were any kind of a citizen, you wouldn't shirk your duty. Goodbye. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to do wah his ditty. <laughs> Can't understand it. How could Rexall keep a guy like that working for him and fire Remley? Oh, Phil, leave Willie alone. He may have his peculiarities, but at least he has ability. Why, if he ever lost his job, he wouldn't have to go around from door to door selling shoelaces like Frankie did last night. <laughs> oh, doll. 
Remley was only kidding. He wasn't really selling shoelaces. After all, it takes more than one week to get a good job. Frankie was looking around. <laughs> being particular. I guarantee by now the guy has a fine position. But I'll get it. Fresh fish! <laughs> Drop that tired halibut and come in here. <laughs> Haven't you found a job yet? I got a job. I'm selling fish. <laughs> oh, Frankie. What kind of a job is that? Going from door to door selling fish. How do you like that? Just because he married into money, becomes a snob. <laughs> now, do you want to buy some fish or don't you? All right, all right. If it'll help you out, I'll buy the fish you're holding. Oh, I can't sell you this one. <laughs> this is a sample. <laughs> a sample fish. Mm -hmm. You don't happen to have a catalog of your new spring line. <laughs> Look, are you going to sell me that fish you got or aren't you? No, I can't, Curly. Been carrying him around for five days now And he's sort of become a pet <laughs> I couldn't bear to part with little Tomaine Now look, Remley I'm not gonna stand here And listen to all of this kind of I wish you wouldn't raise your voice <laughs> You'll wake my fish up <laughs> Besides, in my weakened condition You're shouting grates on my nerves All right, all right Wait a minute What are you weak from? I gave you money yesterday for food You ate, didn't you? Well, it's this way, Curly As I left my room to eat The landlady was standing there Barring my way She stuck her arm out And demanded the rent Well, it was a question of eating Or paying the landlady Which did you do? Both Both? Her arm was delicious <laughs> Remley, are you gonna stop now With them wild stories Ate the landlady's arm All right, so I'm only kidding Well, that's better now look I'd like you to come over sometime and meet Wingy <laughs> Look, Remley Cut it out, will you? Now, what are you weak from? Well, I was ashamed to tell you But if you must know My landlady put me out And I have no place to live I'm weak from lack of sleep <laughs> Well, gee, Francis <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? I was ashamed Well, if you have no place to stay, you can... Well, you can move in with me and Alice until you find something No, no, no I wouldn't impose on you and Alice But, Frank, I insist At least stay overnight Well, all right, but just overnight Excuse me Okay, fellas, you can bring in my four trunks now <laughs> Four trunks just to stay overnight with all that stuff You could stay here a year Gee, thanks, Curly That means I can spend my sabbatical at your place Frankie, look, you're only staying overnight Hey, Mr. Remley, where do you want these trunks? Oh, put them any place upstairs in the master bedroom Oh, no, you don't <laughs> Put them in the guest room That is, if you don't mind roughing it, Mr. Remley <laughs> If that's the way you want it, okay I guess that's life. 
When a man's down, he gets kicked around. <laughs> Nobody's kicking you around. I'm glad to have you live with us. Alice and me will be... Alice. Uh-oh, I gotta tell her. Well, tell her. That's no problem. Ordinarily, no, but with you, it is. <laughs> hmm? You know, Remley, you're not the easiest guy in the world to live with. And Alice might object. Let's go ask her anyway. Well, why should she object to me? I'm not gonna be putting her out. I don't expect her to change her mode of living just for me. I don't want her to do anything that she... Curly, what's all that racket? That's not racket. Alice is practicing her song for the show. She practices every Sunday. Every Sunday? And every day. Every day, too? Curly, while I'm here, that'll have to stop. Stop? Why? I take a nap every afternoon and I can't be disturbed. <laughs> I don't mind her singing, but can't she do it some other time? Be quiet, will you, and listen. This happens to be talent. If you were to ask me who the sweetest one I knew was, I'd say you was. If you were to ask me who my favorite point of view was, I'd say you was. I've got a heart that hollers when you're not close to me. But when you're here, the funny part is my heart is a spherical, lyrical miracle all the day. If you were to ask me who my extra special guy was, I'd say you were. If you were to ask me who my rainbow in the sky was, I'd say you were. Supposing you paid a visit to a certain preacher Suppose you overheard me practicing I do And you were to ask me who the bride and groom to be was I'd say we was, me and you If we were to ask you who the captain of your crew was Oh, I'd say he was, I mean old corn poem If we were to ask you who the apple of your eye was Oh, I'd say he was not old ham hock. Yes, old ham hock. Sometimes I think he isn't worth the trouble. But when that curly head of his comes into view, then if you should ask me who the happy ones to be was, I'd say we was me and you. Hey, Curly, now that Alice is finished, let's go in and tell her that I'm going to live here. Gee, Frankie, she sounds so happy, I hate to spoil it. <laughs> well, I guess we have to tell her. Look, you wait here, I'll go in and break it to her. You know, this situation requires delicate handling. Okay, Curly. Uh, Alice. Yes, Bill? Um, Alice, um, uh, about our empty guest room. Oh, did Willie mention it to you, too? Mention what? Well, this morning, Willie said he was getting tired of living alone and hinted that he'd like to move in with us. But I put my foot down. I wouldn't have anyone living with us, including my own relatives. <laughs> now, what were you going to say? Have you seen my Harry Carey knife? <laughs> what did you start to say about the guest room? Oh, the, with the guest... Well, mm -hmm. uh, as long as we have the room, I... Well, I... Well, I think we ought to use it. I mean, uh, well, after all, what are we saving it for? 
Oh, you know very well what we're saving it for. We plan to have another baby someday. A boy, we hope. And well, nobody gets that room but my son. Alice. <laughs> I got good news for you. What? You've just become the mother of a bouncing 185-pound boy. <laughs> Named Frankie. Phil, what are you trying to say? Oh, honey, Frankie's moved in with us. He's going to stay with us. I knew you wouldn't mind, and, and he's just going <laughs> to... Alice, what are you doing? Looking for your Harry Carey knife. And remember, ladies first. Oh, honey. <laughs> it ain't gonna be so bad. Besides, Frankie won't be with us long. How long? Oh, just until he finds another job. You mean for the rest of our natural lives? <laughs> Phil, he hasn't... Oh, well, if Frankie's in a spot, of course we'll help him out. He can stay. Oh, gee, Alice, I knew you'd say that. You're a sweetheart. Hey, Remley, come on in. Okay, Curly. <clears throat> hey, Alice says it's okay. Gee, thanks, Alice. It's nice of you to allow me to stay here. Oh, that's all right, Frankie. But I'll have to ask you to conform to our household routine. Routine? Yes. <laughs> you see, on account of the children, we have to be very punctual. We have breakfast at 7, lunch at 12, and dinner at 6 sharp. Your room is next to the children, so you won't be able to play your radio after eight, and you'll have to turn your lights out at nine. Do you understand? Yes, Sergeant. <laughs> what time do we have bayonet practice? <laughs> Don't be a wise guy, Remley. <laughs> to go through basic training to live here. <laughs> what are you kicking about? At least you'll be able to get out of the barracks at night. <laughs> Well, I better go upstairs and get my clothes out of the trunk. Okay, I'll go up and help you. Now, don't be long, Phil. You have to be down at City Hall later to qualify for jury duty. Oh, Alice, why do you have to remind me? I purposely tried to forget you, it. You, you've been called for jury duty, Curly? Yeah, and I'm trying to think of some way to get out of it. You got any ideas, Remley? <laughs> yeah. Just get down and let him give you the literacy test. <laughs> that ought to do it. Mr. Remley. <laughs> I'm a little tired of people making fun of my lack of education. I went to school. My education may not be complete, but it ain't my fault if mother had to take me out of Harvard after my sophomore year. Harvard? That's a college. I had to leave just before I got my degree. I was working toward a thud. Fud? Yeah, Ph.D., Fud. <laughs> Alice, I don't think he believes I went to college. How could he doubt it? I'll go get your Phi Beta Kappa key and show him. And I'd better bring your oars, too. <laughs> what oars? Have you forgotten, Philip? Today is the day of the Poughkeepsie Regatta, and your rowing stroke for dear old Harvard. A raw, raw, raw for sophomore Phil! <laughs> 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 
What's the matter with her? <laughs> Somebody must have sprinkled paprika in her bubble bath. <laughs> hey, Remley, seriously. Now, look, I got to get out of this jury duty. Why? Well, because I'm sure that they're picking me to be a juror on a murder trial. The paper said they're selecting the jury this week for that wall bed murder case. So? So. I don't want to judge another man's life. After all, I don't know the facts, and them lawyers will confuse me. Oh, there's no sense kidding myself. I'm not too smart. That's a masterpiece of understatement. <laughs> Look, Curly, instead of wasting your time trying to get out of jury duty, why don't you read the papers and learn all the facts about the case? If you do that, you can decide whether the guy is guilty or not even before you go down. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hey, that way I might not even have to waste my time sitting through the trial. I'll just phone in my verdict. That's right. Let's get the papers and decide right now whether this guy is guilty or not. Well, come on. <laughs> Well, Curly, we've read all the newspaper accounts of this wall bed murder. I can't figure out whether this guy did away with his wife or not. What do you think? My dear Remley, <laughs> the solution is obvious. After carefully analyzing the evidence and weighing all the facts pertinent in this crime, I have come to the definite conclusion that this man is guilty. Unless, of course, he didn't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Sam Spade <laughs> Remley, look This guy must have done it Now, he claims his wife accidentally suffocated in a wall bed But that's impossible How do you know it's impossible? Well, it's gotta be because you... Look, come with me and I'll prove it uh, Well, how are you gonna prove it? Well, look, we got a wall bed in the little room off the hall Now, I'll show you it's impossible to suffocate when the bed is up I disagree All right, all right I'll pull the bed down and show you <laughs> we ain't used it in a long time <laughs> Oh For a minute I thought you had the harp player in there All right, now look Remley, do you see all the space in the wall? Yeah Now how could you suffocate? Look, when you push the bed up into the wall with a person in it There ain't that much space Well, I'll prove it Curly, lie down Okay, I, wait <laughs> Remley, I'm going to be the perfect host You're tired from the lack of sleep Yeah Lie down You think I'm crazy or something? You do it I can't I can't I've got to stay alive to serve on jury duty You ain't working You got nothing to lose <laughs> Now look, Frankie, one of us has got to lie down on this bed to prove our point It's evidence I don't want to be evidence All I want to... Hey, I brought your groceries and... What are you guys doing in this room? <laughs> Gentlemen of the jury, I give you Exhibit A <laughs> Yeah What a wonderful subject to reenact a crime with 
<laughs> Say, Julius, there's something we want to talk to you about, kid. Sit down. Uh, no, 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 not on the chair, on the right on the bed. Uh, yeah, we want you to 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 uh, rest. Yes, son. We know that you work very hard. Stop and... beating around the bush. <laughs> what diabolical scheme are you plotting for me now, Julius? That is an unkind cut. <laughs> Why should I plot against you? Why, I feel toward you like I would toward my own son. And I love every hair on your pointed little head. <laughs> Julius, you misunderstand us. We might have done some things to you, my too, that you consider unnecessarily cruel. But believe me, lad. <laughs> anything we've ever done to you has been for your own benefit. <laughs> You mean like the time you tried to blow me up? <laughs> How was I supposed to benefit from that? You were down in the dumps and we were trying to give you a lift. <laughs> look, Julius, we're performing a little experiment and we want you to help us. Now look, I say if a person gets caught in a wall bed, they can't suffocate. But Mr. Remley says they can. And all we're asking you to do is let us stuff you in the wall so that we can see which one of us is yeah. right. <laughs> Fellas, what did you do with the hammer? What hammer? The one you've been banging each other over the head with. <laughs> You'd have to give me a million dollars to get me in that bed. It's a deal. Here's two dollars down and you get the balance as soon as you suffocate and prove I'm right. Never mind, Frankie. Let him go. If he don't want to do it, he don't have to. Let's forget it. All right. Come on, let's put the bed back up. Help me lift it, okay. will you? Okay. Yeah, it's stuck Yeah Oh, oh, wait a minute There's a release lever in the back of the headboard there Hey, Julius, reach over the bed and release that lever, will you? Okay There <laughs> Thanks, kid, I... <laughs> hey, Frank Did... Did Julius go someplace? <laughs> must have. I don't see him around. I wonder if he's... Hey, you folks, let me out of here! He is. <laughs> hey, where are you, Julius? You know where I am. I'm in this bed. Well, shame on you going to bed without brushing your teeth. <laughs> are you resting comfortably, kid? How can I be comfortable? I'm standing on my head. Such a sloppy sleeper. Fellas, <laughs> this ain't funny. The blood's rushing to my head. Never mind that. Can you still breathe in there? Yeah, but I can do a better job outside. Let me out! Let me out! Let me out! Rather a high-strung youngster. <laughs> Remley, I was right. He can still breathe. He can't suffocate in there. No, no, it's too early to tell yet. I bet you ten bucks he don't last more than five minutes. Okay, it's a bet. It's <laughs> impossible for him You're to... You're getting on me! What am I, a roulette for you? <laughs> this has ceased to be funny! I demand that you look... Julia, stop talking. Conserve the air. I got ten bucks riding on your nose. <laughs> no, no, kid. I'm betting on you, too. Inhale deeply. 
The air is free. Use it up. Yeah. I don't want to use it up. I want to save this for my old age. Now, you see, Remley, he ain't having no trouble breathing at all. We might as well let him out. Now, do you give up? All right, you win. That darn kid. He's living just to make a fool out of me. Well, that proves my point. Now, when I serve on the jury, I'll know what I'm talking about. I'll be able to convince the other jurors that a person can't suffocate in a wall bed. Suppose they don't believe you. Well, I don't. Julius, will you shut up in there? I'm trying to think. There must be some way that I can prove that he... Remley. Hmm? I got it. Well, we're all set, Remley. Right. Let's get started for City Hall. Okay. Bill, Bill, why didn't you tell me you were leaving? I wanted you to... Bill, what have you got tied on top of the station wagon? A wall bed? <laughs> I'm taking it down to City Hall to prove a point. Let me out of here! Let me out! For the last time, let me out of this bed! Oh, go to sleep, will you? Come on, Remley, let's get okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Folks, don't forget to contribute to the American Heart Association. Good night, everybody. Good night now. Good night. The program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Titley. Palace Faye appears with the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.